Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard that he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men, secretly and ascertained, and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared and he sent them to Bethlehem saying go and search diligently for the child and when you have found him bring me word that I too may come and worship him after listening to the king they went on their way and behold the star that they had seen when it rose, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Thank you, Noel. It is a little dark up here and probably hard to read. Well done. That was Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus Christ. Thank you. That would have helped you out a lot, I'm sure. Yes, that was Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus Christ. Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. And as Josiah mentioned earlier, this is a story that we've heard a million times. So many times we've seen countless nativity displays. Here's one right there, and, and I think it's easy to become detached from the actual events that surround Christ's birth. For instance, in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1, it tells us that the wise men did not arrive until after Jesus was born, sometime, sometime later. Verse 11 informs us that the wise men came to a house rather than a stable, or maybe you think a cave. And though Noel didn't read it. We can infer from, from later, from verse 16, that Jesus could have been as old as two years old when the wise men showed up. So we love the nativity scene, but it isn't quite accurate. Now we zoom out a little bit further from the events surrounding Jesus, and it's important for us to remember that, that Rome had the Jews under its iron feet. And by the time the Son of God took on human form, there were political tensions that were absolutely simmering among the Jews. 
So how they longed, how the Jews longed for the coming of their Messiah, the prophesied king who would deliver them from their enemies and throw off their oppressors and return the glory of God to Israel. How they longed for their Messiah. And indeed, this little baby was the prophesied king, the deliverer, the manifest glory of God in swaddling clothes. Matthew recounts the story of the wise men expressly to drive that point home. That this baby is the king. So what I want you to see this evening is that Jesus just isn't just the king of the Jews. He's the king of the world. And he is today. And for those who will not bow Some will receive the kingship of Jesus with apathy and others will be troubled by it and still others will rage against it. But for those who do accept Jesus as king, it is exceeding joy. And the reason that they, that we bow our knee before the Christ is because we recognize his surpassing worth. All this demonstrated in this passage in Matthew chapter 2. Let's pray again. Father, we are so grateful for your word and that through it we can see Jesus. We can experience him. And I pray that that would happen even this, this very night. That this wouldn't just be some rote story said again on Christmas, but this would be an encounter with the living God. May your word have its effect in us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Verses 1 and 2, again, from Matthew chapter 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So most scholars will agree that these wise men, or magi, traveled all the way from Iraq or Iran. It's a long journey. It's a journey that Abraham made millennia earlier. And the coming of the Magi was itself a fulfillment of prophecy. Not that these particular wise men would come before Jesus, that they would come to Bethlehem, but that the light of Jesus would draw the nations. And these wise men are a fulfillment of that prophecy. Listen to Isaiah chapter 11, verse 10. In that day... The root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples. Of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Jesus is God's signal to the nations. He is the light into which the nations stream, the light that breaks the darkness of this world. Christ, not just king of the Jews, but king of the world. And so when these wise men leave their distant land to seek this child king and and fall at his feet in worship, 
It is a resounding declaration of Jesus' kingly identity. The nations have come to Christ, even at his birth. In the Gospel of Matthew, this is how the story of Jesus begins and how it ends. Because Christ's final words in the book of Matthew are as follows. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. All authority in heaven and on earth. Again, Jesus, not just king of the Jews, but king over the whole world, over all creation. And as his kingdom's As his kingdom advances, the nations will be discipled. The Magi, these wise men, were the first of the nations to fall at the feet of Christ and worship him. From beginning to end, God's word declares it, that Jesus is king over all. Again, from a distant land come the Magi, and they follow some kind of star, and we don't know what this star was. But it is interesting to note that the star leads them all the way to Jerusalem. And then after that, they don't know where to go. They have to ask in Jerusalem, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Imagine being a Jew in Jerusalem and how sensational that news would have been. That these wealthy magi, they come out of nowhere claiming that the Messiah was born, asking where he is as if he's maybe been crowned already. Sensational news for sure, but it was not welcome news. Verses 3 and 4 again. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Herod is troubled because he is Rome's puppet king. And because Herod's throne was more important to him than anything else in the whole world, he would attempt to kill the Messiah, regardless of the collateral damage. And we read later in Matthew chapter 2 that he goes on a killing spree, seeking to kill Bethlehem's sons, that he might eradicate the Messiah. But Herod isn't the only one troubled here. Verse 3 says, All Jerusalem is troubled with him. All Jerusalem. Why? Was it because foreigners broke this news? Was it because the Magi announced a messianic arrival that subverted every expectation? I don't know. We just know that the city longing for their Messiah was troubled at his coming. A sign of their future rejection of him. And the chief priests and scribes, what were they doing? You know, Herod had gathered them all together because of this, the news that the Magi were speaking about. And of all the Jews, wouldn't they be the most interested in knowing who this Messiah was, or if the Messiah had come, the most, they, they should be the most interested in the Magi's quest. And in fact, they know right where the Messiah should be found because they even quote Micah 5.2 to the Magi, to Herod. 
You see that in verse 6. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So despite their knowledge of the unusual claim of these visitors, the religious leaders choose not to go with them. They choose not to see if the Messiah had, had really come. They just immediately discredit it. It would seem like they wanted some kind of evidence, bulletproof, that wouldn't interrupt their lives. They were content to let other people seek. The king of the world and their Messiah was about six miles away. And their silent indifference is stunning. Millennia later, so much of the world responds to the king in these same ways. Unwilling to give up the throne of our own lives, people rage against Jesus, regardless of the collateral damage that it may cause. And like the people of Jerusalem, so many are troubled by Jesus, disliking even to hear news of him. So they reject him and they move on with their lives. And then there are those like the religious leaders, a head full of knowledge and hearts full of indifferent unbelief. And so close to them was this king. So close. If only they would seek him, they would find him. But then there are the wise men. Wise men, indeed. The star reappears. And it leads them to their journey's end, settling over the house. Listen again to their response upon finding the Christ child, starting halfway through verse 9. Behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. So first, the wise men understand where to find Jesus, and their hearts are filled with exceeding joy. They know where he is now, and their hearts are bursting with this joy. And then they see the child, They, they lay their eyes on him, and they fall down and worship. And then finally, they give these three gifts of absolutely incredible value, especially in that day. Gold, a gift fit only for a king. In the ancient world, they they often said the only thing you can give a king is gold because it was that valuable. Frankincense, this precious incense burned by temple priests. Myrrh, an extravagantly costly perfume used sometimes to prepare a beloved's body for the tomb. And despite how expensive these three gifts were, they are given with exceeding joy. It's the best that the Magi could offer. And they gave their best because they wanted to honor this king, because they recognized somehow, in some way, the surpassing worth of this tiny little baby or toddler. 
even though the, the Magi understood something of the worth of Jesus, we, what a privilege we have to understand even more because we know what this child would grow into. And we know what it, what it is that he would accomplish. His is the greatest life that has ever been lived. It, he is loving and pure and selfless and compassionate and just. And then he lays down his life for his enemies. And we are his enemies. Because we have sinned like Herod. And we have raged against Christ's claim over the throne of our lives. And we have sinned like Jerusalem, troubled by the reality of Christ and, and rejecting him. And we have sinned like the religious leaders, self-assured, thinking we, we, sh- we know what the Messiah should be like, thinking there is no king before whom we must bow. But despite all that, as his enemies nail him to the cross, he cries out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And this is exactly what the Father does for any who come before the cross, recognizing the great worth of his Son, the one who was born to die. For when we fall at his feet and we worship, as the wise men did, then God forgives your sins. You are forgiven, no longer an enemy of God, but a friend. He even brings you into his family and calls you sons and daughters. And the cross is not the end. As Jesus said, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. Only the king of heaven and earth can say such a thing and then do it. Just as Jesus said he would, he conquered death and he rose from the grave. And because Jesus is selfless and loving and pure and true, what was done for him will be done for you also if you believe. If you trust in him as the king of heaven and earth. Because he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Yeah, this is no ordinary king. Not only is all authority in heaven and on earth his, but he forgives his enemies and he gives to them eternal life. Though you die, yet shall you live. His requirement, his ask, is that you believe with the kind of belief that shapes your life not the kind of belief found in Jerusalem in Matthew chapter 2. Give up your throne. Leave Jerusalem and fall at his feet in worship because he is worthy of the very best that you have to offer because he has given to you the very best that he has to offer. Certainly we can learn from these wise men. Everyone in this room, everyone, I think, knows what it is to walk through dark nights. Everyone in this room longs, is desperate for joy. So seek Jesus and watch him break that darkness. Come before him and worship. He is the only king 
that is worth living and dying for. And doesn't our world prove that? He is the only king worth living and dying for. The coming of Christ is good news of great joy, exceeding joy. And he said, this king, once again, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Father, what a great gift you have given to us. And this day, this season, we remember that gift. We remember it always. But we especially celebrate it this day. That gift you've given to us of such tremendous value that it changes lives, that it brings the dead to life, that it frees us from our sins and forgives us for everything that we have done to offend you. We praise you for these great gifts given to us in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, become a baby. We praise you in his name. Amen.